This is the podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Health Check. In this fortnightly podcast series on Wednesdays, The Straits Times guides you to healthier living and debunks the myths with expert guests. I'm Joyce Teo and my co-host is Ernest Lewis. Today, our special guest is Dr. Lai Jun-Hung from Lai Endoscopy and Colorectal Surgery at the Mouth Elizabeth Medical Centre. And today, he's here to tell us more about gut health. Hi, Dr. Lai. Hi. So people may think about gut health only when they have uh, food poisoning. So what is it that we should actually know about gut health? I tell my patients and the public talks that I give, the most important thing about gut health is understanding our gut. So what does the gut consist of? Is the whole digestive tract. I do focus a bit on the colon because that's my specialty. So first things first is understanding what the colon does. So the colon or large intestine helps to absorb water to a large extent. It stores feces, it digests certain vital minerals and vitamins, and helps to evacuate or pass tools. Now, just by going back to food poisoning, why do we have diarrhea when we have food poisoning? If you understand a little bit about that, even the layperson understands, then we can help him get himself to a doctor if he needs help. So for example, if you have inflammation in the right side of the intestine, or even a cancer, or just very bad food poisoning, it can't absorb the water, which can be up to 2 to 3 litres a day of fluid. And guess what? Then this all the water will be coming out as your excrement or as your as your stools. And then that mm-hmm. turns out as diarrhea. So knowing that can help the person's feel that, hey, I know this is happening to me. I need to get some help right, if this is persistent. That's one. The other one I want to tell people about gut health is also understanding your toilet habits. A lot of people sit in the toilet, do texting, and then they just pass motion and then forget about it. They don't even know what they passed out. I said the most important thing is at least have a look at the toilet bowl before you flush because you can discover blood because a lot of times the blood is painless and that may be a sign that you may bring you to see a doctor. The type of stools that we see coming out, be it watery stools or very hard pellety stools, can sometimes indicate that something is not well if it's persistent. So this is an important thing. So Dr. Lai, I want to ask you this. Uh, how about products that we can take to increase or improve our gut health? Do probiotic cultured milk drinks help? Yeah, so I mean, I want to go back to the basics on what are probiotics. Probiotics are cultured live bacteria. And why do we need bacteria in our gut? So if you imagine the latest research do show that a human being is like a super organism. And within us are what we call, we subcontracted out certain functions to this bacteria in our gut. Just understanding it, little nuggets of information there, we have almost about a trillion types of what we call flora or microorganisms within us. And if you spread them out on the floor, one cell each, you fill up a whole tennis court. That's how much we have. Wow. You know, that's how much we have. We have about 400 different types of flora. And the latest research, and even this research is going on in A-Star and Biopolis as we speak. This is uh, our real gem of our Singapore uh, medical hub. They are researching on how each individual does have a different DNA fingerprint of bacteria within us. That means we have a different range of bacteria. And that's the reason why people have diseases in a different way, mm. even though they eat almost the same thing. Mm. So this is something very interesting. And now going back to your question yes. about how we can help. Why do we need supplements of probiotics or good bacteria in us on and off in urban life? Is because we lose this on a regular basis. The bacteria are, just imagine the gut lining as a planter box of soil. They are planted on it and the bacteria grows and helps us in a few ways. It helps us with our natural immunity. It helps us to digest fiber. Guess what? Whatever fiber we eat, if you have no probiotics or what we call good bacteria in us or microorganisms, they don't really get digested. You just mm. come out without the nutrients absorbed. And because of this function of metabolism, we have essential vitamins like vitamin K and B, which is produced by this good bacteria. So you, you can see how important they are. Without this or with a lack of this, there's a lot of intestinal diseases. Chief among them can be a disease called irritable bowel syndrome. You get a lot of gaseousness. The intestine is normal. There's no cancer going on, but you you can get anything from bloatedness, bleeding, loss of weight, diarrhea, and everything. 
because of this lack of balance of good and bad. So right. probiotics are the good bacteria. A lot of names has been given. The most common and stark one is what we call lactobacillus among many types of bacteria. Right. And these are commonly found in what we call the probiotic cultured drinks. So, yeah, so does yeah. it help to take cultured milk drinks then? I think they are a useful supplement for lack of other things. So if you exchange one drink from another like different gassy um, sugar drink, then probably that can be healthier. But there are very natural products that have these probiotics which are found in our foods, in Asian foods, um, in Indian food, there's yogurt, there's writer, there's in, in Western foods, there's milk and cheese. And these can have a lot of probiotics in them. And in fact, these are the more ancient. Why do we have food with something before and something after? Sometimes in the ancient way, this is our ancestors telling us this is the proper way to maintain our gut health. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? So if we don't actually take a lot of this fermented food, then can we take like supplements? Yeah, you can. There are a lot of commercially available probiotics. I treat my patients for certain diseases with a medical doses of it. So they come in 100 billion of good bacteria inside for a certain cause. It's not just for diarrhea. I mean, diarrhea, the reason why you, when we take it, like a GP will prescribe you a certain type after diarrhea is because after a period of diarrhea, you do lose the good bacteria. Certain stresses in your life, when we do surgery or you take too much alcohol, you can lose that. And then a period of supplement between two to four weeks can be helpful to get back this intestinal health. Why I say supplementation? Because naturally, this bacteria, some of it will be what we call housed in our gut. There will be others that can't be housed and then be lost. So that's why we need a short period of supplementation. But when your gut health goes back to normal, you can probably just do without them on a long-term basis. So Dr. Lai, we also know that we should be consuming more fibre, right? But like, how much is enough? And you know, can we actually take fibre supplements, say if we don't like to eat whole grains? Mm, that's an interesting question. Fibre is purported to have all kinds of health benefits, but there's always two sides to the coin. When you take too little fiber, many patients, sometimes you're, you can get constipation, your stools are not as well. There's also the opposite spectrum of people who go crazy with fiber. They eat a whole cabbage uh, each time they eat. Without enough fluid, this can cause constipation. Or even with people with previous abdominal surgeries that is in my department, they get a, what we call intestinal blockage because of too much fiber, especially without chewing. However, what I want to counter is pertaining to the topic of my passion, which is colorectal cancer. The fiber has undergone research over the last 50 to 60 years. It started off this man called Burkitt, you know, discovering that fiber seemed to be the cure for all the Western diseases like cancer, bleeding, piles, and everything you can, whatnot in the colon. However, we have found through the years of research that there is a lot of categories of fiber. And the latest research do show that cereal and grains consumed to an adequate amount of 10 grams, which is like two cups a day, can seem to decrease colorectal cancer by about 10%. Vegetables and fruit somehow is not in that equation. Although we know intuitively there are healthy benefits for the what we call our heart or cardiovascular health because of their vitamins, but seems to be not in that equation for colorectal cancer for mm-hmm. whatever reason. So that there's more research that needs to be done in that area. So it helps to just take two cups a day of cereal and grain. Oh, uh, Yeah, and think about it, it's two cups are quite big. So yes, you've got to be able course. to stomach cereal and grains. And not everybody can take fibre, right? That, uh, I mean, that much of it actually. Right? Well, it's a bit of a variation. That's why the interesting thing about gut health, you know, it needs to be individualised to the person. So if you find that eating fibre causes you symptoms like bloating, which is quite common, then you may have to cut back. But as I said, it's not a cure-all. It doesn't mean that if you don't take fibre, you're going to get cancer. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Health Check on Apple's podcast or Google Podcasts or even on Spotify and like us and give us a rating. Now, back to our conversation with Dr. Lai. So, in your line of work, you're looking at, I'm assuming, stools a lot. Do you? And how important is that as an indicator of one's gut health? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. as a colorectal surgeon, you round about, let, let people tell you stories about their stools. And in fact, you want to elicit those stories because that can indicate to me what's happening to them. And believe it or not, there's even a classification of stools from what we call a British Hospital called the Bristol Royal Infirmary that classifies stools to seven types. All right, mm. from the very hard, pellety type, like what we call goat stools being this Bristol score one and two, to very watery types, Bristol score six and seven. Usually, if we classify it, three and four are the stools that are like sausage-like, it comes out smoothly, the patient is unlikely to be constipated. Right. This probably means a good mix of gut health. It means they are eating enough fiber, having enough fluids, they have good intestinal lining with bacteria, less likely to have serious problems in the gut. Right. All right. However... All of this needs for the patient to be able to look into the toilet bowl and tell me what stools they are rather than flush it down without seeing. Right. Yeah. Don't be afraid of looking at your pool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you got to look at your pool so you can understand what's coming out. I think that takes like Should you even second. snap a picture and show your doctor? Well, that, that happens. <laughs> a lot, lot, jokes aside, that happens quite a lot because I feel a picture speaks a thousand words. Right. And sometimes when they have some trouble, that's what they do. Okay. You know, it's all anonymous. I told them the stool pictures are anonymous. But, you know, from that, I can tell them, hey, you may want to see me because sometimes I see blood. Sometimes mm. we see that the stools are black, which is an indicator of digested blood. There's a lot of things we can tell right. in the stools. And I think I want to empower the patients themselves to understand that, hey, something is not right. Perhaps you might want to seek some help. Is there anything like the smell that we should look out for? Uh, smell is another big topic. I guess in certain countries where diarrheal diseases are more prevalent, I guess a little bit less in Singapore as a more developed place. In those countries, sometimes the smell, by a general doctor there, he can will tell you that, hey, this smell smells of amoeba. You, know, you better mm. get a particular type of antiparasite. And this is my experience interacting with them. And as a colorectal surgeon, sometimes we do that. But I think that sometimes turns people's appetite a little bit. So I don't <laughs> ask people to bring their stools in to let me smell. Nowadays, we have more sophisticated technology. We put in the bottle and we send it for testing for all kinds of bacteria right. and viruses. Yeah. Mm, okay. How about the length of time? You know, like some people will sit in the loo for like too long. Is that a problem? Yes. In my line of work, it gives me two indicators. One, they sit in there because they need to. So that means they really are forcing out stools. They are using their strength for the half an hour to do what they need to do to get it out. That usually means there's significant constipation, mm. right? And what is the cause of it needs to be investigated. There are two main types. One is what we call cancerous reasons. Something has changed and there's something blocking the intestine. Two is uh, happens quite often in ladies after pregnancy. They have more weakened walls in the pelvis and that can end up having um, difficulty passing motion and that can be a need for surgery or need for certain kind of therapy. Now, the other spending time too long in the loo uh, kind of scenario is you are doing like texting or reading papers or magazines even though they are very knowledgeable or very good to be read. But mm -hmm. this, what happens, it cultivates a habit where there's constant pressure in the bottom and can make a patient get what we call a laxity in the what we call the line there where these hemorrhoids or piles are and can predispose to hemorrhoids, bleeding, piles or even constipation problems. Yeah, so this is little nuggets of knowledge. Worry, thanks for the tips, Dr. Lai. Well, that's a wrap for Health Check. We hope you like this latest Healthy Living Tips. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online.